How do you feel right now having an idea like this actually finally coming to fruition? Really bad. <laughs> it's awful. Right well, let's get this done as soon as we can. <laughs> that's a it's big super deal. Cool. Yeah. Because, you know, in our life, we have a lot of things that go un- unexperienced. We, we don't end up having those, like, you know, everybody wants to be a baseball player when they're a kid or an astronaut or a fireman or whatever. And so it's great when you have these accomplishments. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think that the whole thing about like my company is that we actually execute the ideas that we have. Like it's the excuse, it's the vehicle to move forward with cool stuff. Right. Why not? With that said, thanks for coming on. Thank I you. really appreciate you, Eric. Uh, it felt fitting that you were one of the first guests. I love your energy and getting to know you has been more than a pleasure and i feel like we feed off of each other really well so there's something there i don't know what it is but so diane my wife my better half i call her my lady friend sometimes so we've known each other what 34 we've known each other more than 34 years we've been married 34 years she is often that um that reassurance right obviously i know that i like you i know we vibe well i know that we're running same energies and we're we're trying to do good in the world but now when she comes in, she goes, man, that Josh, he's a solid guy. He's on, he's part of your team. That is gold to me because uh, in a relationship, as long as we've had Diane and myself, you just want, I always talk about putting teams together. You just want everybody in the team to be in agreement, you know, or in agreement. So when, you know, somebody comes into my life and she thinks, oh my gosh, this is going to be, you know, somebody who's just pulling energy from you instead of sharing energy, which is what you and I do really well. Uh, and that's when we're at our best, when we get to share energy, then um, it's just a great, great feeling. So, you know, I mean, you and I have these healthy conversations about what the world looks like and how we can contribute to it. And that's what's exciting to me. And that's what that's what's so magical about this whole area of St. Pete that we're in, isn't it? I agree. I don't feel that we're here by accident. No. Yeah. It's it's there's a great entrepreneurial energy, a progressive energy on just like moving forward. There's not stagnation. Right. Um, it's quite the opposite. And I felt it right when I, you know, started to get integrated into St. Pete. There's a wonderful community. People like you just there ready to be connected with. <laughs> it's and, wild. And for as long as you and I have kind of been in the community, which is maybe not as long as other people, we're barely scraping the surface. That's what's exciting to me. Every week I meet somebody and go, oh my gosh. You know, I, I make introductions for you saying, oh, you, I got I to gotta introduce you to Josh. I probably have a list right now of maybe six to eight people that I'm behind on introducing you to. That's how many incredible people we have in this community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all the introductions. That's the beauty of it. So, um yeah. And I was going to say, when when we end up talking and we're like on the street corner, remember like two weeks ago, we couldn't, we, we walked five feet and then we started talking about another topic and walk five feet. So, you know, if this needs to run over, I, I have no, I, no question that we'll be able to fill an hour. <laughs> I think our goal is to solve all of the major problems of the world. I agree. And I think we will in this one episode. Yes. So with that said, this is the last episode then. It's the first and last episode. Really, we only need one. And so that's why <laughs> I wanted to have you on. <laughs> but okay, let's dive in. Okay. Um, why business coaching? What, what drew you to that realm? I'll be honest with you. And to those listeners out there, please don't keep this from uh, keep you from hiring me. But business coaching was a way to monetize, if I'm being perfectly honest. My passion 
is people, helping people on the human journey. I always ask people to come up with a purpose statement, so I had to do that for myself. And my purpose is to support my family and those closest to me. And that's not just financial support. But the second part of my purpose statement is while helping people on the human journey. And I felt that I wasn't reaching enough people in just life coaching. And as I talk about a book of business, I don't want to just help rich people. And so business is a natural way to move into and monetize better. But what I found on this journey so far is I am a life coach that helps people in business. So we have a saying at The Growth Coach, better life, better balance, better business, or however else you want to put that in order. If we have people thriving in their life, we can help them thrive in business. If people are thriving in business, we hope that carries over to their life. And as you know, I have a passion working with couples. I've been married for a long time. I've had three different businesses. And there are so many nuances that happen in that partnership where we can rock the boat if we don't continue to check in. If we don't continue to say, hey, I'm busy. I've done 60 hours, but I love you. Or what do you need from me? Or how can we carve out time intentionally so we don't always talk business? It's hugely important because I wonder sometimes, and I'm sorry if I'm just rambling and digressing, but I wonder sometimes when we choose a mate and we say, I do, why is that so disposable sometimes? That troubles me. Why would something else come in front of that? So when I asked people, and I had a meeting this, last, uh, this weekend, and I asked these people for their purpose statements, Nowhere did they include family in their purpose statement. Nowhere did they include kids in their purpose statement. And my next step is to make sure that that gets encompassed into it. So long rambling answer, but you know, I think that there's great value, particularly when we're talking about this community of St. Pete. So I talk about energy a lot. I'm working on a series of books, defining your own energy, then the energy between a couple, and then how we share that energy in a broader sense in the community. That's really where I feel our responsibility is as business owners and in the business community. How do we do more than just collect a dollar from our customer? Man, I couldn't agree more on your sentiment and your drive. Like, we could just stop the recording now. I, I feel like business is looked at so uh, with, with such tunnel vision sometimes, like money. But your business is such a big part of your life or work even if it's not you know you don't own the business it's it affects your personal life and your personal life affects business and so i love that you are a business coach but you also call yourself a life coach yeah first and foremost i'm a life coach that helps people in business that's it that's it if you want a guy that says hey uh i got a 10x or i've got to fill my funnel or i've got a scale or i can help you do that but I'm going to ask you some uncomfortable questions on, in the process. And then I get a lot of people go, well, yeah, but that's life coachy stuff. I go, yeah, it is. But it's all connected, isn't it? Is your business not your life? Is, is your life not yeah. your business? You know, it's interconnected no matter what. Right. And especially if then you bring a spouse into it, even if they're not directly working with you in your business, you're still, they're still connected. You're still going to talk to them about the business and, ha and, and have dialogue. Right. They're always our partners, aren't they? Yeah. So when we exclude them, this is an interesting thing, just talking about marriage partnerships. And, and you know, I don't, I'm not just looking at husband and wives in this. I'm looking at couples, same-sex couples, whatever. Couples, partnerships. 
These couples that keep separate finances intrigue me. I think it's not the healthiest way to go. If I were coaching a couple like that, I would ask them a whole bunch of questions because it's not up to me to define what's healthy for them. If they answered all these questions and they said, yeah, this is the best way for us to do this, then I would yield to their, to, to their want. But generally speaking, there should be no secrets in this process. Secrets end up leading to cancers that create bigger problems. That's in business, that's in relationships, and a big part of business, as you know, are in fact relationships. Any business you're doing, even if we're a solopreneur, who you're not just charging yourself, you have a relationship with your client, with your customer. 100%. So when we talk about brand, brand gets thrown around so much these days. What's your brand? I got to build my brand, and it's important. I don't mean to, to belittle it. But I want people to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about brand. I think we're talking about integrity. Who are you as a person? Which is why we talk about purpose. That's why we start with purpose. And what do you want people to know about you? Your reputation does, in fact, stay with you and it precedes you. And we want to build a good reputation. So we want to be mindful of that process. Who, who are we and who do we want people? How do we want people to know us? Absolutely. So is that, if, I, if it's safe to say, that's probably when you onboard a new client, that's where you start talking to them about is the why, what their, what their goals are, not, hey, what's your product? Where is it made? Uh, what does this widget do? It's right. more like the foundation of who they are and how you're going to move forward. I think so. And it's really important. All those other questions you brought up are really important, but now we get to filter it through this purpose statement or the vision or the mission or whatever it is that we're filtering it through so it grounds us. So when we feel compromised, we're pulled in a certain direction, we go, wait, hold on. Does this speak to who I am and what I'm trying to do? And if it's a no, well, then we don't even have to spend any energy on it whatsoever. We can just let it go. Exactly. Yeah, this doesn't fit into my purpose. And you're great at that. I've watched you over the course of the last year really build your business and I, th I think you're, you're spot on with what you're doing. I would like to, so this is really interesting. Um, I learn from every session I have. So I feel sometimes like I, the, the payment is backwards. I feel like I should be charging my clients or my clients should be charging me. Sometimes I always learn from a session. I can't think of one session I've come out of where I haven't learned a little something because it's a mirror. You always reflect it back on yourself. Go, hmm, maybe I should do this or maybe... I should have been more gentle here, whatever the case may be. So it's a pretty cool process. I felt that exact same sentiment when I taught at the Art Institute for six years. It was like, I'm learning equally as much as what I'm teaching because I have to learn more to stay on top of trends or technology, but also to be able to dis disseminate the knowledge and information in a way that's in its most simple form, because some of these were at 100 level classes, some were 400, but how do I explain it in the most efficient way? And by doing that, I was like, oh, that resonates more with me. Now I really know the design principles or the fundamentals of art or this or that. But that's really exciting. Those are exciting discoveries, right? Because you're just evolving to a new level that you can share then with more people. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. And to think that we come together as a group, we're not supposed to be the expert in everything. We're supposed to have something to add to the conversation. And that's true in a coaching relationship as well. So there's a, a gentleman in town, uh, Barry. I don't remember his last name, but he's just a great guy. He's uh, an older gentleman. He's been doing this for a while. He's a huge pillar in St. Pete. And his tagline is, everybody needs a coach. 
and he was good enough to set aside like two hours for me. We said, well, we'll talk for uh, 40 minutes or something uh, during COVID, as COVID was winding down and we couldn't really be out in public. And next thing you know, we're talking two hours. I thought, this is the sort of guy I want to be. And I learned a whole lot from him. And so he says everybody needs a coach, and I think everybody is a coach. I think we all have something to share. We all have something to teach. We just have to be open then on the receiving end to say, hey, I don't know it all. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to evolve. And that's another big part of this coaching process. Yeah, I remember uh, your last presentation you gave to our networking group. You said everybody can be a coach. Everybody is a coach. And it reminds me because I get... I own a creative company and a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm not creative. I can't, I, I just, I don't know what's there. I'm like, it's in you. You just, you know, you have to figure out what's right for you or work on it. Right. You know, it's just like someone who says, I could never play piano or guitar or drums. It's like, you could if you worked your ass off, you know, and it's in there. It's in all of us. I agree. So I think the better way to frame that would be, I choose not to. Right. If we actually give ourselves the power and say, listen, it doesn't interest me. I choose to not play the guitar. Mm-hmm. And like, so for me, I'm not, I don't, I'm not particularly great with foreign languages. I took like four or five years of Spanish. I speak none of it. <laughs> and so for the long, longest time, I did what you were just speaking of there. I, I said, oh, I can't learn a foreign language, but you're a thousand percent accurate. I could. I chose not to. Right. Once you own that, now we can make better choices moving forward. How do you want to spend your time? How do you want to spend your energy? When do we hire people? When do we take it on ourselves? That's an interesting part of business too. It's a challenging part because when we start out, we're a one person or a two person army a lot of the times, but you're not an expert at everything at all. So where are you going to get that help? If you can't afford it, you got to kind of muscle through until you realize, listen, marketing's not my strong point. I'm going to go hire somebody to do this for me. I don't even enjoy it. I don't enjoy social media or whatever the case may be. Why do so many of us not do our own taxes? Well, because it's not very exciting to most of us, but it is to some people, the experts. Absolutely. And you're going to spend more money and more time, or time is money, on trying to teach yourself about one part of the code of taxes because you don't know how to log this meeting or whatever this expense instead of just paying someone that probably paying them would have taken uh, that whole situation of learning that one task. Right. It's, you know, paying the professionals to do what you don't know is so much more efficient. I've, ad- I've, I've had to cope with that because I think, oh, you know, I can, I can do that. And it's like, actually, I shouldn't be doing that. It's not <laughs> worth my time. Someone well, yeah. said, I, it's obviously not my hourly rate, but someone said, you should treat your time as a CEO as $1,000 per hour. And I was like, you know, it just got me thinking about how valuable my time is. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal or anything, but it was a good way to like really switch gears on, should I be doing this? Right. That's a great question to ask. Should I be? Should I? I can, but should I? So yeah, getting back to your, you know, the artistic question, should I play the guitar? I'd love to. Mm, I have a very expensive guitar sitting in the corner of my house that my daughter plays really well. But I just don't prioritize it. You know, it's a fantasy. And I ask people to differentiate what is a fantasy. Those are awesome. That's how we escape. And what is reality? We want to take that which we define as reality and make it a goal and set a blueprint on how to get there. Otherwise, I ask you to leave that in fantasy world. So right now, for me, the guitar remains a fantasy. Is that your 
main fantasy outside of your relationship, like doing doing things and hobbies? I'd love to travel. I'd love to increase my speaking business. I'd love to uh, really build this brand that I've been talking to you about uh, off mic about uh, really helping couples, really thriving that area. I have such a, I, I feel so connected when I work with couples. Um, I think that's where my path is. And then, of course, I still have five kids, you know. So when people go, hey, Eric, do you have any hobbies? It's like, yeah, I got kids. That's what I do. And they're all adults, so they don't need me. But I had them, so I want to spend time with them. Of course. You know, even if they don't want to pick up the phone, I'm going to keep calling them. Yeah. Actually, if my kids listen to this, they're going to call me out on that because I don't really call that much. <laughs> but it's, it's never one of these things. And I'm going to tell you a little story about myself. I was adopted, and uh, as the, both my parents are gone, as we got to the end of their life, our relationship became strained. We wouldn't pick up the phone intentionally. We would blame the other side for absence of communication because we weren't able to control each other in the way we wanted to control each other. Strike one, we should never be trying to control somebody else. We should be accepting. So I talk about the difference between tolerance and acceptance. Acceptance is where we want to be. Tolerance to me is a four-letter word. And I know that's going to really frustrate a lot of people out there. But once we push ourselves into the realm of tolerance, then we start to take the next step into avoidance. And I think we need to be accepting. Now, the challenge is when that starts to infringe on our space, you know? And when I look at my life, I think I'm really just in control of a six-foot radius. I don't need more than that. But as a younger man, I wanted to conquer the world. And I think that's where a lot of us are in youth. But I digress. So... I look at this uh, relationship I had with my parents, adopted when I was like six months old or something. They were awesome parents. They were great parents. But my pride as a young man kept me from being able to communicate with them as I can communicate now as an older gentleman. So what did I miss out on? I missed out on some great connections. I missed out on the ability to tell them how important they were, how much I loved them. They knew it on some level, but there were these little sores, these little scars that we didn't, weren't able to, to overcome. So uh, I moved from Seattle, Washington to Florida intentionally. You know, this is a hard truth. I looked at the map and I saw how big that country was. I said, hell yes, I'm going to Florida. And part of it was performance driven. I was an actor at the time. I wanted to get my equity card and move to New York. And this was an easy place to do it at the theme parks. Um, but once that and again, I, in my coaching, I talk about self-acceptance, self-responsibility. I have to own that badge because once I get the call that mom's dead, well, the country's equally as large to get across. And that's a long, lonely, quiet six-hour flight trying to figure out how to get back to the survivors and explain why you weren't more, more involved. So it's an interesting process. So we... As a family, now with my kids, we don't have that relationship. We just respect each other's, you know, journeys, and we get busy, and then we are so excited when we, when we get the chance to, to meet up whenever it may be. So currently four kids are in the house because of college, and one child is uh, married. He's not a child anymore. And, and I'm sorry if I'm talking so much, but we talk about mentors, right? I think it's Warren Buffett who says you should have a mentor in a whole bunch of different age categories. Now my son at 28 is an exceptional mentor to me. Exceptional. He has such a viewpoint, and in a lot of ways he's like me, shares a lot of my opinions, in a lot of ways he's so different. 
It's the differences that are magical. That's yeah. a great, that's a great thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If I don't have to be prideful and be the dad and be right, I can just go, what do you think of this? And if I just shut up and listen, he'll give me some really good advice. Yeah. That in itself is really great advice and mentorship in different, different levels. But I think that's extra special that your son, that you're open to someone that you've brought up now sort of flop roles. Um, I'm having an interesting, um, relationship that's evolved with my father where he's trying to lean on me because he's getting out of particular funk and he knows that I'm doing well and and so he bounces ideas off of me on self-improvement and I told I tell him you know take a picture and then send it to me when you're done so that I can hold you accountable to you know it's little simple things but it actually goes a long way and it helps build our relationship I think with you doing that with your son, you're almost writing some things that you would have preferred to do with your parents with your children. You know, it, it's so hard to, to be perfect. Hindsight's twenty twenty, Right. And relationships are so dynamic. There's, when you were talking about how, you know, the, I don't know how you would say it, but someone texts you or you're waiting for their text and this it's this kind of back and forth of responsibility of like well you haven't texted me for six months it's like let it go we're we know each other are okay you can hit me up anytime when you need me and we'll pick up that friendship like not no time has passed that's magic i love those kind of relationships those that's that's kind of relationship i i dream of having with everyone i am and that's part of when we now we go back to brand, right? People know who you are. It's your reputation. This guy's solid. He's always going to be there. I can pick up the phone at any time. He's going to get back to me. We're not going to get ghosted, right? This ghosting thing. And families do ghost each other, don't they? Oh, yeah. 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 That would be what I would call, I would put that in my unhealthy column. Mm-hmm. So I always talk about, I ask people to not think, of good and bad. Does good and bad exist? Absolutely. Does right and wrong exist? Absolutely. But I find a better way to work with people is healthy and unhealthy. So when we talk about ghosting, that's a remarkably unhealthy sort of um, habit. And it's prevalent in society right now, being in text. And so the fact that we would do that as family members is, is pretty hurtful. It's interesting because we're now more connected, easier connected than ever, yet that happens more frequently than people who used to write letters to each other, you know, or had to go by horse to hang out with each other. It's, it's an interesting thing. Like, how did that switch where the more connected we are, actually, it's an excuse to become more disconnected? I don't know, but I'd love to talk about that. So a new app comes out every week, right? And we swipe left or we swipe right. I'm too old to know which way we're supposed to swipe. Same. <laughs> But for all this swiping that's going on, nobody's connecting. How is that? How is that possible? We used to have to do it the old-fashioned way and meet somebody at work. Is it because we're not in the same workspace? Is it because the workspace has changed? Why are we having such a hard time connecting? Um, I think two things. Things have gotten watered down where you go and, and saturated, mm-hmm. oversaturated. If you're looking for a mate and you're on Tinder, you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I don't know which way you swipe either, but it's like, well, I could go on a date with her, but 
what if there's someone else? It's just always, what if there's someone else? And, and back right. in the day, you're like, well, here's my community of 100 people in town, and she's really cool. Right. And we connect. Wonderful. Let's start a life together. Yeah. You know, now you're, I think it's overthinking. And, and the, you going back to what you were talking about, um, where like a marriage is more disposable these days. I mean, it's, it's a fact with the breakup rates and divorce rates, which is unfortunate. But I think that's a symptom of this oversaturation because people are always looking like, oh, now I'm on Facebook. I see like this person's so happy. Why am I not happier? I want that. And I don't feel like I have that when really if they maybe talk to their partner more or worked through whatever they're going through, then they could get out the other side and be even more happy. But yeah. I don't know if it's a commitment issue. What do you what do you see in the couples that you work with most like in that realm? The world is so fast. We get so busy and then we get wrapped up in our own importance. Then we get caught up in our own ego and then we forget to communicate with the people we love. Yeah. And here's a fascinating thing. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. I use it in my coaching of the five love languages, and it's not because there's these love languages. That's so little of it. The, the biggest takeaway from Dr. Chapman's book is the choice to love someone. So you became involved, whoever you is, you are, in a relationship. You fell in love in quotation marks. You started this relationship. You had kids. Something must have been there that was pretty good. Totally. So now, why do you choose to not love? And there are a lot of different reasons. I don't want to just use a blanket statement and say that all relationships are salvageable. Mm, they're not. But I would say most are. So we have to make a choice once all those chemicals, those fun little chemicals, settle down from courtship, right? And I'm no longer driven by sex drive or attraction ego now i have to say this is a partnership we're in this together we brought human beings into this world i'm with you thick or thin we're going to get this done that's love and i made a choice to do it that's where i want people to be that's great i uh two things for my own relationship it might sound cheesy but there is something to the when you uh, go through the process of being married and you say the vows of like for richer or poorer for better or worse like those two things stick out because it's like if if this person's unhealthy or not doing well it doesn't matter i'm not leaving their side this is this is we're going to work through that or this is the person that i love the most right and it doesn't matter if i'm on a box in the street i'm working hard so that's not going to be a, a thing and we have a wonderful support system these people in this room I know wouldn't let that happen. I wouldn't let that happen to you. But it's like that doesn't matter. Those are such good reminders. Um, but we're like, I don't know how many minutes into this. And all we're talking about is relationships. And I feel the same like with my business, with the people that I work with, Jordan sitting here in the room. It is the most important thing is our relationship and how good of a person he is. And he's obviously a gem of a talent, but that's what it's all about. And I've turned down work or not. I've, I've told someone, look, I don't know if this relationship's going to 
do well, I don't think we're a good fit because they're on like this whole level, rush, 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 10x next month. And I'm like, yeah, that's not our style. And so that's not going to be a good relationship. I can see that's not going to be a good fit and therefore I don't move forward. But we have been talking about relationships for this whole episode. It's just interesting. So that's key because key to good leadership is leading people and that relationship of being a leader. And this is this translates to huge companies. And that's why so many people in coaching now make thousands of dollars trying to help dysfunctional people function better. You know, there's so many leadership classes out there. And sadly, they're necessary because just like we're talking in a more intimate relationship, we get busy. We have to hit the deadline and we have to hit the goal. We got to make our quota, whatever. And that becomes first and foremost. But I suggest that a quicker way to that goal would be nurturing those relationships and making sure because employee retention is a huge problem these days. There are tons of studies that show that it's, it's much more expensive to find a new customer or find a new employee as opposed to retain a customer or retain an employee. Well, the data speaks for itself. What's the answer? The answer are healthy relationships and good leadership. So we need to have regular check-ins with our employees. So, so many times you get an employee manual, you walk through a door and it's what, like 60 pages of dry boilerplate. Don't do this, do this, don't do this. There's a lunchroom, get your water, you know? What would happen in a, an employee manual if we talked about our passions in the business? We talked about this relationship, what we're gonna do for you know, the employee-employer. What is your pathway forward? And if we have these quarterly, or dare I say monthly check-ins with our employees, religiously, how are you? Tell me about your life, tell me about your work, how's your job here? And we have this, and then when we get to visit again, none of this is a secret. I hear you're struggling, your mom has cancer, I'm so sorry, how's that going? Tell me about it, what do you need from us? And we might not be able to give them everything they need, but we can at least listen to it. We can at least give an empathetic ear to it as an employer as a manager, and and make some sort of adjustments in that process. Hi, I'm Doug Jackson, and I was deprived of my opportunity to be the guest on the first aired podcast of the Naming Creative Show, but I won't go down quietly. That's right, I paid for this ad space just to be sure to make my mark in this first episode. Eric's might be a fantastic conversation, but you just wait for the second episode when I finally get to speak out. Now, back to the interview with Eric Nutting of the Growth Coach of St. Pete. Yeah, 100%. Everything comes down to relationships because what, I mean, even... AI is becoming a big thing, and there's, I guess you could argue that you have a relationship with a, with an artificial intelligence. But other than that, you're working with people to solve a goal. It's funny because I swear people start their own fires, and then they go, hey, there's a fire. Let's put it out. It's like you started the fire by making that deadline ridiculous. Why didn't you give yourself two months instead of one month? What are you doing? It is it that— What's what's wrong with that? I think public companies and always having to increase their revenue yeah. to their shareholders is like, it makes sense. It does. But is that 
is that a fully positive thing? Because I feel like they're starting fire. How could you, how could you be exponential? I don't, I don't know. It's just, it seems like that can lead to some unhealthy things. And I'm not saying don't progress, but maybe it's like, well, this quarter, we focused not on the widget sales. We focused on our employee health and we did company outings. We went camping. We did sessions and hung out with each other, team building. And, and that, those are wins. Those, those shareholders should be like, wow, that's great because you're actually, you are making money because you're retaining your customer or excuse me, your employees. Right. And those employees are happier to work and they're doing better work more meaningful work because they care about the company. That's my outlook. Our company manual, I know it's going to need to grow, but it's one page. Right. right. It doesn't need to be 60 of dry stuff. And it, and in there is really important pillars of who we are and what's m- most important for the growth of our company. It's making sure that we are taking care of ourselves and we're growing appropriately. Mm-hmm. Scale appropriately is one of the big pillars that I I constantly tell people where we're not starting fires. I know we're going to get there. So I love your viewpoint on this because we've talked about it before. Talk to me your specific thought process on scaling appropriately. How do you define that? Oh boy. The turntables have... (laughs) (laughs) I I think appropriately... So we have goals. Like here we are, our first podcast and Jordan just set us up for a wonderful intro before we started actually recording, which is we actually, we are five months before our goal, but we know we are going to start a podcast. This is something that we want to do. We can use our creative talents to do it, and we are going to love doing this, and it's going to be great for our business. We're going to be able to market. We're going to be able to have fun. We're going to connect with other business uh, businesses and entrepreneurs. We're going to show other people that we can do a podcast. Therefore we can do your podcast, but ultimately we set a goal and then, and we define that goal. And, but we say it's reasonable. Let's try for the beginning of next year because we want to do it right. But I, I swear, I feel like because there's not that pressure, then we can just flow I'm a musician. I feel like if you're you're like write a song now and it needs to be done in 30 minutes. That song is not going to be as good as, "Hey, we need a song by the end of the week." Do what you need to do. Take your time. It's cool. You are going to get a, such a better product mm-hmm. from that second scenario. Right. Um scaling appropriately with the people that I bring on. For instance, our tech director, Dina, she's a gem. It took me a year and a half to connect with her because I wasn't in a rush to find someone to fill that role. Luckily, we have Chris, who is unbelievably talented, and he was helping fill that void, even though juggling a full-time job. And I respect him greatly for that while trying to find somebody who can do that full-time. Or for Jordan, here, our audio director, he his career was changing and I I've been wanting to scratch my audio itch ever since I started this company I knew that the audio division was going to be a thing but I didn't rush into it because I needed the right person right who I love working with who's unbelievably talented I know it's gonna come don't rush it 
Because if I rush it, then it's going to be awkward. It's going to feel forced. It's not going to be natural. And that's not the way that I want to do things. So those are kind of some examples of scaling appropriately. And even monetarily, like, I don't know what I'd do if we suddenly had $10 million in the bank account. I mean, I wouldn't argue with it, but I don't know. I need to work up to that, Mm. you know? So as you think about growth, you're thinking more about reaching a destination as opposed to a specific, a specific measurable this quarter, I'm going to double my income or I want to, you know, make whatever figure by the end of 2023. Right. That's how you're working. Yeah. And also just like, like traveling, the journey is also important for Mm -hmm. that destination. I think that's a part of our process because we're in the creative production realm and marketing realm it's a it's a very different process where the process is everything yeah do a logo properly you've got to do lots of upfront um kickoff work to understand the brand and and their goals and their business and define those things and then do research then do sketching then do iterations and then you come out with a unique identifier that's that says something about their their company that means something to them but it's that process it's it's the destination's important not lighting a fire to get to that destination you know so you're running to it but we're we have a good pace it's a marathon not a sprint i have a good friend jeremy who always used to tell me that when we were out celebrating and he would say hey you know to get through this night it's a marathon not a sprint absolutely i give a speech that includes the tortoise and the hare i read this to adults to begin the speech because who wins that race you know you if the hare had a little bit more thought process behind it well they would have won it yeah i actually saw a video of a a, a rabbit and and like a turtle and and in real life, the turtle won no because way. the rabbit was chasing all, going backwards, and the turtle was just straightforward, moving. That's funny. Like a real thing. Probably not every time. But. So two entrepreneurs sitting here, coachy coach here, creative gentleman there. Tell me, how many hours a day are you putting in? How many hours a week? What is your work day, work week like oh. at this point in your, in your business? I work a lot. Um but I still give attention to my family. So like the 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Yes. window of time is golden for I me. I love those hours. Yeah. It's, it's silent. Yeah. It's quiet. I can say I'm going to do this. Uh-huh. And nobody's calling. Nobody's interrupting. Now my daughter's sleeping through the night. But I, I don't know how many hours a day I work. But it's definitely more than eight. It's not 24. Okay. Um, but it's a lot. And I know that it's going to get better, but right now I'm putting so many processes in place. Pricing structures, because it's all in my head and I need to get that out. Setting up this podcast, getting our email marketing going, because we're helping people with email marketing and it's like, I can't even get to it myself. So I need to prioritize these things, just chip away at it and move forward. Because then once I get these things rolling, uh, then I'll have a little more time. You know, having Jordan join our crew as our audio director has opened up some more time for me because even just the strategy of things in the execution, like our social media management, I can bounce ideas off of him Mm -hmm. and that process happens faster rather than me being in my silo spinning around in circles. He's just like, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, cool. Let's make it done. 
So I think as I grow my team, I'll, I'll get some more time back. But weekends are really valuable for me with my family. I work from home on Tuesdays and Thursdays mm-hmm. so I can be around my daughter more. Nice. Very present. But as I've grown older, definitely have managed my time better on being really intentional with what I'm doing, kind of eliminating some fluff. So what are sleep patterns for a young entrepreneur? <laughs> uh, getting a nap every once in a while is really important. I love naps. Meditations are naps. A meditation yeah. really turns into a nap. I just call it a meditation. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's like yoga nidra uh, my wife is into. And it's like, I, I believe that's it. But where you're almost asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's something to that. For me, like I, I went to the gym and worked out before this. And I am energized. Sweet. You know, and so sometimes it's just a matter of going for a run and doing the absolute opposite of taking a nap. But my sleep schedules, you know, I get, I get five hours. Yeah, that's about what I get too. You know, something like that. You know, I'm a holistic dude, like uh, mind, body, spirit guy. But balance, and you've touched on balance multiple times throughout this conversation. Uh, balance is elusive. It's temporary. We lose it. We don't even realize we've lost it until we sometimes le- it leads to a little bit of depression or we don't know our way out. Tying, you know, connecting the dots, this is where relationships start to struggle because we don't even identify it within ourselves, right? That's where a good partnership is good because, hey, you know, you seem a little down today. Your energy is a little low today. Is everything okay? We can jump on that immediately as opposed to going down a, a three-day, then a two-week, then a one month and a three month depression where all of a sudden the foundation starts to shake and we can't get it back. Totally. Um, My wife is really good at saying, hey, you know, you're, you've been going hard recently. Let's go to the beach. Ah, yes. You know, even when I used to teach, I used to tell students, like, you're going to get into a creative rut. It's not always going to flow. And you know what the best thing is to do is get away from the screen or the paper and go take a walk, take a shower, go exercise, do something else. Because right. when you come back with fresh eyes, you're going to be, you're going to approach the problem with a different perspective, with a fresh perspective. Absolutely. You're going to be re-energized. So I feel I'm, and I'm trying to even just saying this now uh, is, you know, tell myself that taking a step away from work Mm -hmm. actually will make me more productive when I come back to work. Without a doubt. That's a huge, huge discovery and something we ask people in our, in our coaching process, you know, how many hours are you putting in? Is it, are they effective hours? Are you productive or do we chase our tail a lot? Yeah. And since I've been, you know, I've had more than a few different businesses. I remember those days because Diane was a stay at home mom for like 22 years or something. I'd work three different jobs. That'd be 20 hour days. I'd roll into bed and I'd roll out of bed, but I was motivated to get it done because I was headed towards something. But I don't think that's sustainable for an extended period of time. And when that energy starts to wane and your productivity starts to, that's when we got to go, okay, this isn't the best path forward. How are, we, how are we going to do it more efficiently? How are we going to be smarter about that? And it happens in businesses all the time. Oh, totally. You, uh, you had mentioned when, when you were previously working as an actor, can you elaborate on that part of your life and i'm curious how it's affecting your current career yeah that's a that's a long story buckle up kids here it goes so i was uh, a youngster and an athlete 
and I love me some sports. It's how I identified myself. My ego was very much connected to how fast could I throw that ball, uh, how hard could I hit somebody, and I got injured. Uh, and I, my mom was naturally a dreamer and artistic, and somehow I was at this high school gathering, and I was hurt, and this little cheerleader bounces up to me and says, hey, you should try this acting class. And I thought, well, that might be great because maybe she'll be there. And it turns out she wasn't, but I started acting, and I enjoyed it. And I had this natural sort of place in it. It allowed me to communicate. It allowed me to learn about the human journey through a script. Now, I didn't discover this at a young age. It took a long time to understand that. I thought it was supposed to be about how good I was, how loud was the applause, those accolades. And I felt very uncomfortable in that environment. And I continued that journey as an actor for a long period of time through these five kids, supported my family somehow. Uh, I mean, I told you I had odd jobs, but once upon a time it was about the art, and you spoke to this earlier, if your deadline is a day or your deadline's a week. Once upon a time I approached my acting as an art, then I started to approach it as a craft. When the phone would ring, it would be, how much does it pay, as opposed to, what do I get to explore, what do I get to create? And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. But um, through that, I know that I discovered a love for the human condition, creating a character through the text. And you, the subtext is more important than the actual text, right? So I would learn perspectives. And I was always empathetic. I was a, a very melancholy youngster with rather large mood swings. Um, and I realized finally transitioning from being an actor to a voice actor and a narrator, a voiceover business, that the constant in my life was my love for human beings and the fact that people continuously came to me for some form of refuge or some form of safety. I was a safe place to land because I'm a locked box for the most part. You know, I, I don't believe in gossip. Uh, I think it's uh, horribly toxic. Um, and so I would just, uh, and sometimes, in particular in this coaching stuff, um, I don't have the answers. I just have a thousand and one questions that helps the other person find the answers. It's almost like a psychologist or a therapist. So I do a lot of work in support of therapists. A lot of my clients have a therapist, uh, and we, I always talk about building a team. But therapists are, tend to be, be more expensive, and they tend to be on a time frame. I have the luxury of not doing that. So I can say, well, you know, what's the team think? Where are we at as a team? What does your therapist say? We have to be very mindful in my business that we don't cross, you know, those lines. Um, but I certainly can support the healthy journey of an individual, the healthy journey of a couple, the healthy journey of people in business. So that's, that's a good thing. So, I mean, long story short, I enjoyed acting. I couldn't even picture doing it now. I do some voiceover work still just because I have some really long-term clients that are kind enough. And I do my own things. I do some meditations and things. Um, thanks. I appreciate that. And I will end up narrating my own audio books. But generally speaking, as I got older, and I'm approaching 60 now, my ego got smaller. And that was all intentional. I didn't really see much value in leading with my ego. It made me a truer person. It made me a more authentic person. The challenge is balance. Because when you diminish the ego so much, sometimes you don't get to accomplish the things that you're trying to accomplish. You, you're more apt to say, meh, how much does it matter? 
does it really matter that much? And then we don't achieve things that really are important to the greater good of be it the family unit or that husband-wife team or whatever. I mean, it's capitalism. We've got to make a dollar. Otherwise, I'd be a monk on a mountain, and I can't do that yet. But maybe, someday. Maybe that's a goal. I don't know if it's a fantasy or a goal. Maybe in 98, I'll be a, a monk on a mountain with my wife. And, but she's got to be quiet. She can't like, do a lot of talking because it's quiet monkdom. Right. And don't forget your f- guitar. I, <laughs> I wonder if I'll learn by then. What, do, what instruments do monks play? The voice, the, vo- the vocals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jordan's nodding his head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jordan can teach you guitar too. So he's unbelievably talented. Two things, three things that I would like to learn still that I have not. Guitar, I'd like to learn the piano too. Guitar, piano, I'd like to learn Spanish, and I'd like to learn how to swim. Yeah. I'm like one of the only people my age I know lives in Florida that doesn't know how to swim. I could teach you how to swim. That's what everybody teach swim lessons. I can't wait. I can't, I can't say that. I can't. All right. I, I used to I truly teach. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I, ch- I choose to want to swim because I, I go out on the water a lot. I kayak across a lake, go out on boats, all that stuff. And, you know, I always think, you, you know, I'm a motorcycle rider, too, and everybody goes shiny side up. And I always tell people, well, it's not an option. You can't put the bike down. You can't, you can't fall out of the kayak because bad things happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> One thing I wanted to say is I took an acting class in undergrad, <clears throat> and it was so much harder than I ever thought. How so? I just, it's so hard to disconnect and put yourself into a different character and to your pacing, remembering the lines. Good actors make it look so easy. I got a whole new respect for that. Same with my journey through creative production and and as a musician, when you go and watch a band on stage, you go, wow, that looks easy. It's because they're pros at it. You watch Jordan on stage, he makes it look easy because he's worked his butt off his entire life to do that. Right. And the same with acting. I, I could not believe how difficult it was, and I felt so awkward. But it was really good. I, I recommend anybody take an acting class. I, th- I think it was, it was so eye-opening in many ways. I agree. I think it can help break us out of some, some of our preconceived ideas, our shell. You know, we have Toastmasters for people to learn how to speak. I think acting is another tool that can be used to help us not think so much about ourselves. A hundred percent, yeah. I uh, speaking of yourself, you know, you're a business coach. Do you have a business coach to help you, or how do you manage? Th- I have two coaches, so I'm part of a huge network. Uh, and as I told you, I'm not an expert at all things. I only know what I know, and I always try to lean into my comfort zone. So I have to have people pull me and push me out of that comfort zone. So I have two really great coaches. Uh, If I could afford more coaching, I would get more coaching. I don't know specifically in what area, but whenever you come across, you know, again, as a solopreneur, you go, okay, this is uncomfortable. It's going to take me 20 hours to learn this. I'd probably go get a coach to help me in one of those areas. And I don't think we should ever stop learning or evolving. We We have to continuously learn new techniques. And we have to continuously have people point out our blind spots because I get we do get in our comfort zone. And I don't think we're always growing when we're there. That's the most dangerous part to be is comfortable, especially like in business or if you're trying to be better at something or bettering yourself. So it's really reassuring to know. I, I was almost positive that you had mentioned you had yourself business coaches, but I wanted to clarify. Yeah, two formal coaches. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, probably two to three uh, coaches that aren't a formal relationship because I was texting Doug, you know, we're all kind of, you know, in the same group. 
uh, was texting Doug the other day and he said something and I had to let it sit for a moment. It's like, ah, he's right. Gosh darn it. And I had to text him back, go, yeah, great thought. I'm going to have to go into the ponder pond on that one. And I gave him a little frowny face because he's saying, hey, hey, pal, this is how you should be growing. You're, you're limiting yourself. You know, and sometimes um, because, of, because of me trying to strip down the ego, I don't always look at growth in the monetary sense as being hugely important. But I got big things I'm trying to do. I know I'm trying to build a huge academy for couples, and I really want to reach more people. That's really scary, too. It's almost like um, uh, a philosophical challenge, right? Because so many leaders of cults or religions say we have to reach more people. We need more money to reach more people. And you always have to balance that out with what are you really trying to accomplish? Your ego gets involved if you think I'm going to go help thousands instead of hundreds or hundreds instead of a few. We just want to be mindful of what our purpose is and serve that purpose. So the purpose isn't the numbers. That's the goal. The purpose is just making sure we reach people. Yeah. Well, I think for for me, it's scaling appropriately. So when you're Spot. when you're on your way to connecting with more people, making sure that you're not watering that thing down. For us, it's the quality of our products and right. in the production. Yeah. So we can't take on a hundred clients tomorrow. We I need to grow my team first and then do that. Although you know, bring it on. But, uh, you know. Now, how often do you get uh, inundated with people going, hey, can you handle 20 more clients? you get those sales calls all the time? Oh, daily. Daily. I just daily. ignore them. I There's so much noise. Now, it grinds my gears. Now, there's some LinkedIn messages where they'll send five, and then they'll literally go, Josh, <laughs> question mark. I want, I, then, I, I almost, it almost gets me to respond to them because I want to be like, no. Don't do that. Yeah. What are you doing? Don't just, Josh. Oh my gosh. Oh man. I know. Um, I know exactly what you mean. You, there's no bigger turnoff to me than a hard sell like that. Like, no, I don't want 20 quick clients because I don't think those are going to be great long-term relationships. Right. I'd rather have two or three solid, warm leads that align with what we're going for, that are doing good in the world, that we can help propel them. So that's really interesting because having said that, I do appreciate the op the flip side of that coin. Really efficient salespeople who just get to it, right? Agreed. Uh, hey, Eric, don't want to waste your time. This is what we're trying to do. Are you open to it? I think because there are some really skilled, professional salespeople that are on it. And there's a process we teach in our coaching called READ. It is a sales process, which is relayed, establish the need, advance the tailored solution, and then determine a commitment. That relating part is what all that noise is when they're reaching out to us. Hey, how you doing? Want to connect? But then they jump right into a pitch. It's like, okay, are we connecting or are you pitching me? Which is right. Yeah. Like, buy me a drink first. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have dinner. Or, you know, I mean, we get catfished all the time in business now, too, with all these, like, pictures of some, you know, 20-year-old girl and you know she wants to connect with you it's like mm, i don't think we're in the same business <laughs> i think we might be thinking a little bit differently not that young lovely 20 year old men or women can't be successful in business they can i'm suggesting there are a bunch of bad people behind a lot of those profiles reaching out to us yeah yeah wanting us to do whatever 
whatever sort of, however they're trying to monetize us. Yeah, yeah they're trying to 10x. They want to 10x me. They started that fire and they got to put it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've reached the rapid fire. Oh, gosh. Is there really, is there honestly a rapid fire? Rapid fire. A, pew, hang pew. on one second, I got to take a drink of water and coffee if there's a rapid fire. I just, I figured, oh, well, before we kind of wrap up and stuff, I want to ask you just quick things mm-hmm. because these can be really practical. And then, and then we'll wrap up with some of your future goals, okay. a piece of advice. And I want you to plug yourself All right. real quick. Okay. So you can make these one sentence, two sentences, or a hundred right. if you need to. Um, look, the thing about podcast format is we do whatever the heck we want. Yeah. We're going to edit this whole rapid fire thing. Yeah. Out. It's going to be like, no, nope. <laughs> No, it should be fun. Okay. And it's it's really common. It might be cheesy, but I, for me, it's stuff that I want to know. And, uh, you know, I, I think it could be helpful. Ultimately, I want this podcast to be a resource for people. It'll be inspiring. Already, I'm inspired by having this. So I don't care if like one person listens to it. Well, technically, Jordan's here in the room. So now there are three. <laughs> so, all right, let's start. What is your biggest source of inspiration? Humanity. I love it. That makes sense. That that goes with everything that you've said. I love it. Do you have a favorite book? Mm, as a kid, it was the Once and Future King. I love the uh, the fantasy of it, uh, and I, I I held on to that sort of idealistic uh, viewpoint of the world until now. It's it's a lot about the good of people, the good of humanity, and I think it still probably is my favorite book. But now I tend to not read for pleasure as much as I used to. I miss that. There's a loneliness to not being able to read for pleasure. Now it's like, what can I learn? What can I apply? What can I teach? Totally. That's important. I intentionally last year bought, I did a deep dive on books that are like Carl Sagan's Contact. Because I love, uh, it's the only uh, fiction book that he wrote, the novel. But I loved that because it was kind of a hard science where it's like, this could happen. And so I bought three books like that so that I could escape from constant daily going after it, trying to learn more. It's like, I need to escape. It's kind of like going for a walk, getting away from the screen. Absolutely. We do need to escape. We just don't want to rest there. That's, that's spot on. Totally. Yeah. Do you have a favorite musical artist or favorite album? I was an Elvis fanatic when I was young. I would get home, I would race home, and I would throw those records on. We know we had one of those big cabinet stereos. They they, they produced the best sound, just that awesome bass, and I would turn it up as loud before the whole speaker would shake. So I would spin a lot of Elvis. I don't listen to him as much. Fun fact, I did an Elvis impersonation on a huge stage once upon a time. Um, uh, But now I love, love, love listening to my kids' music. Uh, they introduced me to so much, and I think, man, that's a great sound. The music's really in a pretty good vibe right now. I can tell you that a huge, huge favorite of mine is Blue October. I can listen to them endlessly. Um, yeah, so I, I'd probably say Blue October now. Right on. Today, it's just like other things. There's a super saturation, but there is unbelievable music out yes, there. there is. And it's great that you're leaning on your kids for that. I want to do the same when my daughter grows old because honestly, how do you, you can't discover all the bands, even with Spotify and everything. You need help. I have, I have particular people in my life, Jordan sitting here, buddies up in Indiana who are like, Hey, we, we constantly text, Hey, just to make sure, have you, have you heard these guys? You know, because we know what we each other like and we know that it's going to hit hard. The cool thing about this is with the way the algorithms go now, 
if I'm just getting suggestions off of my playlist, I'm not really getting the full menu, am I? Now, if I lean on my other friends and family members, I get their little nuances and I get to discover so many things I wouldn't have. It's kind of like that networking uh, hub and spoke model. The old hub and spoke. The old hub and spoke. That's right. How do you define success? I ask all of my clients to define this because my definition of success should not be their definition of success. For me, success at 57 is different than it was at 20 or 30 or 40. Now, I simply, I look at, I measure time differently. Success is moment to moment work, knowing that I am of value and I'm spending my time wisely. Love it. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about if you have a favorite, or maybe it's two, what are your most favorite business tools? Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to ask me. My favorite kids is like, oh, don't do that to yeah. me. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to <laughs> My favorite business tools. Um, everybody needs a good CRM, I think. I think that's important. Um, and then automation. You know, As we grow and we expand, anything that is a routine we want to automate. Why are we why are we doing all the labor on it? So those would be the two things I would encourage everybody to lean into. And a lot of solopreneurs really need it and they struggle with it, you know? Absolutely. What what CRM do you use? I use HubSpot. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We just adopted PipeDrive uh, earlier this year and, and love it, but HubSpot's a great one too. Yeah. Sponsored by HubSpot. Well, there's always like a new one coming out again every week, right? And it's like, okay, do they say it's better. Do I want to learn it? And then how much energy am I spending in that process? Right. If I had a bigger staff, I'd probably say, hey, can you check this out? Tell me what the pluses are. Yeah. But Right. Yeah. HubSpot's great. Um, PipeDrive's been really great um, for us, too. Um, what do you love to do most outside of work? Probably sit by the lake with Diane. I love that time sitting in chairs drinking coffee there's nothing going on we're usually up before the rest of the family and it's time where we really just get to settle that's nice but we have a new kitten i enjoy my time with the kitten too so oh that's fantastic what's yeah. the kitten's name uh, uh we, we let, let uh, rebecca, rebecca one of the kids, kids name her so the, the kid's, kid's name, name is basil, is basil. <laughs> yeah she's a terror right <laughs> kittens yeah i mean yeah she jumps all over our dog tonto my first dog was named Tonto. No way. Yes way. Wow. I wanted to name my second dog Tonto, um, but we didn't. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, that ends it for our rapid fire. Survive, <laughs> you, rapid fire. you survive. Woo. Yeah, you even did one one-word answer, humanity. That was a good one. Uh, what, a, what a word. Okay, so just to wrap up, um, I want to talk about what are some of your new things on the horizon? What are your future goals? What does the, the growth coach look like soon? So the growth coach is St. Petersburg. We're working on uh, a package that is somewhat automated but still adds a personal touch. Um, we're going to be talking time management. We're going to be talking growth, healthy growth, sustainable growth. And we're going to be talking about what we call the strategic business mindset, which includes relationships, uh, knowing who you are, uh, accepting you know, where you're at, facing your reality, those sort of things. So I'm excited to build that, that program out a little bit. And we should be launching that specifically within the next, I'd say, 60 days. So it's a pretty big time right now. 
Then we're also launching into group coaching here locally. Um, one of my goals was to make coaching more affordable for many. So we're running a very affordable package uh, that's probably going to be, I'm sending out a survey here in the next two days. I've been talking about that for a while, but it's got to go out where we're going to find a price that makes sense to people. It's going to be around 100 to $200 where people get to be in a group of peers with probably no more than eight people. And then we'll learn from each other and, and work in that direction. And that way we'll have built-in accountability partners because a big part of this coaching stuff is accountability. I can tell you one thing, but then I go off and I do my old habits and I can come back to you and lie about what I've done. So a big part of this accountability thing is finding people you trust and that you're going to be real with. So we're working on that. I'm working on, re on uh, finishing up a book uh, about balance. Uh, and I hope to finish that up this, this month. And that will launch me into a whole series of um, my three-book process, talking, speaking of energy, which is a passion of mine. And then uh, we're hoping, with, your, with the good help of Name and Creative, to launch a podcast. In 2024, 18 months from now, we're hoping to launch uh, th this program for couples. But I'll keep a lot of that kind of close to, to my, as I'm in this creative process with it right now. But if I can keep couples together and help couples thrive, well, then I'd live a happy life, you know? That's so impactful. That's so meaningful. I mean, the work that you do is incredible. Um, and for me, I think it's, it's kind of like the realm that you're in where we do creative production and marketing and help lots of different businesses. So every day is different. I'm working with lots of different entrepreneurs and CEOs and decision makers and in all sorts of different industries it keeps it so fun but in and, and meaningful too because again we're choosing clients that we align with right and I, I mean I feel like the same with you yeah I appreciate that it's really interesting when we meet somebody who in theory does the same thing we do but their little nuances their specialties are the magic and that's where we get to kind of vibe and grow with somebody. I do want to be mindful. I want to say one thing to people, the thousands of people out there that are going to be listening. Yes, I've been married 34 years. Yes, we have five kids. Yes, I drill the importance of choosing love and being and honoring your partner. But that doesn't mean 34 years there haven't been bumps. You want to survive those bumps together. So we've had plenty of bumps. We'll probably have a few more. But you got to roll up your sleeves. you got to dig in. you got to say, listen, this is the person I fell in love with. And this person is hugely important to me. I choose to love you. Let's get this done. Oh, yeah. And af after that bump, you know, once you're done with the moguls, you can ski down the rest of that, you know, s slope. It's glorious. And enjoy so much it's better on the other side of that even though it's difficult and you know each other better there's a deeper connection through those things you're absolutely right now we have this trust we've been through this fire and we go we're still here yeah it's magic um it truly is so we'll see where the future goes awesome uh someone listening what's a huge piece of advice that you would just love to get out there or, you know something that you would have loved to hear where they can just take it. I hope it doesn't sound cliched, but in my life coaching practice, I have four pillars that I speak on that are hugely important, but they all boil down to one thing, and that is unconditional love for yourself.
people say it's not possible, and I tell you it is. If you accept the fact that you are of value, you are hugely, hugely important. At this moment, in your world, and your energy is needed right now, and you need to share that energy with others, it starts with unconditional love for yourself. That's what allows you to love in a pure way to others. I don't know a better way to end episode one than that. Thank you so much, Eric. You're such a good man. And I am honored to know you, call you a friend, call you a colleague. I appreciate it. I feel the same way. I'm excited to see where we're at in 10 years. Me too. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll do this in 10 years. And I'll go, hey, everything I said, forget that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. Good stuff. Woo! Bathroom grapes. Grapes. <laughs> grapes. 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 I can't keep going.